0: I wonder how many of us put much thought into our decision-making. Well, today I want to talk to you briefly about what the Bible has to say about making decisions. So I want to encourage you to take out your sermon notes that you've been given this morning and follow along with me. Take out your Bibles, if you will, please, and turn to the book of James. Uh, if you did not bring your Bible with you, the scripture is supplied for you on your sermon notes this morning. But I want to talk to you a little bit about making decisions today today. And I want to, especially, I want our graduates to get a hold of this message because you're at a very pivotal point in your life as you start making these decisions that will lead you down life's road. So before we go any farther, let's just pray and ask the Lord's blessing on his word today. Father, we need you today. We stand in need of you and we ask you, dear Lord, that you would just enter into this service, be in the center of our thought process and our hearts and our lives And Lord, just help us, Lord, to look into your word. And we understand that your word is spiritually discerned. And the only way, God, that we can understand your word is when you open up our hearts and our eyes and our life to it. And I pray that that would take place today. God, I pray for our graduates today. I pray for those that have graduated high school and for those that have graduated college. And and God, it's a big day, a big moment in their lives. And Lord, may they always look to you. And I pray, dear God, that you would speak to them, particularly today. Help them, Lord, in, in the next steps, in the next days, in the years to come, and the decisions that they'll be making. May they keep you in the center of everything that they do. We ask your blessings on your word this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. Today I want to share a little bit with you from God's word about making decisions. We find in God's Word in the book of James, if you have your notes, look there. If you have your Bibles, turn there. In James chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading actually in verse number 5 and following through a few different verses here. In verse number 5, James says this. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. Let's read the even verses together. Verse number 6 together. But let him ask in faith without doubting for the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. Verse seven, that person person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord together in verse number eight, an indecisive man is unstable in all his ways. The brother of humble circumstances should boast in his exaltation. But the one who is rich should boast in his humiliation because he will pass away like a flower of the field." I want to pause right there and talk to you briefly about making decisions in the book of James. We find in the first couple of verses in verses two down through verse number four, that James is speaking about some problems that these individuals are having that we would have in life. But he follows that talking about some decision making that we're going to have to do. Now, every single one of us make decisions every single day of our life, do we not? I mean, some of you stood in the mirror and you may have changed clothes two or three different times making decisions on what you were going to wear to church today. You may have even stood before the mirror and made decisions on how you were going to wear your hair today. And for me, that was kind of easy. I'm going to wear it the same way I wore it yesterday. But we all make these decisions every single day of our life. Life is full of decisions. Life is really, I guess in short... A span where we just simply make decisions every single day. Someone once said this, we make our decisions and then our decisions make us. I have found that to be very true. As a matter of fact, let me share this with you. Where you are today is a result of decisions that you made yesterday. Now, you that are graduating, I want you to understand that where you are today is a result Of decisions that you made yesterday. But here's the kicker. Where you will be tomorrow will be the result of decisions that you'll be making today. There was an individual, a young businessman, that he went up to a very successful executive there in the firm one day. And he asked him this. He said, what is the secret of business success? The executive looked back to him and he said... Wise decisions. Well, the young businessman looked up and he said, How can I learn to make wise decisions? The executive looked back and he said, Experience. The young, enthusiastic businessman said, Well, how can I get experience? The wise executive looked back to him and said, Dumb. decisions. (laughs) decisions. <laughs> you know, and that's very true. I mean, just as we go through life, we evaluate ourselves, and all of us are subject to making some dumb decisions from time to time. Would you agree? I wonder how many would be perfectly honest with yourself and say that you've made a dumb decision in life. Maybe just one, but you've made a dumb decision. Every single one of us have done that. I mean, we are human. I wonder how many of us have waited too long before we purchase something. How many of us may have pondered a particular stock. Or mutual fund. Or something that we were going to really get involved in. And we think I believe I'll just wait. And wait and wait. And then all of a sudden we find that we've waited too long. To invest in that. I wonder how many have dated a girl. Or these ladies have dated a young man. And, and especially the guys have thought. I'll just wait. I'll wait before I ask her out. I really like her. But I'm going to wait. And, and all of a sudden you've waited too long. And she's been snatched up. By somebody else you see we've all made some dumb decisions from time to time but I want to look into God's word and I want us to see where James can help us in our decision making now a lot of you high school graduates you may or may not have made your decision about college. Or you may still be struggling about college and where you're going to go and what you're going to do. You may be struggling a little bit about your career choice and what it is you're actually going to go into. Our college grads, you're now out of college and some are pursuing master's degree and doctor's degree and things of that nature. But some are are pursuing the career field and, and maybe you're not real sure about which job to take or which opportunity to take advantage of. We're all faced with Decisions. And the best place to go to help us understand the proper process in making decisions, I believe, is to God's Word. So we're going to look into God's Word this morning, and we're going to see how James talks about how we are to make decisions. Now he unpacks that three different ways. He unpacks for us first of all the problem, then he gives us the prescription, and then he gives us a promise from God's Word. I want to look at those three areas this morning. Number one, let's look at the problem. Here is the problem in decision making that James points out for us. Problem number one is indecision. In other words, we're just indecisive. We're not real sure which direction or what decision we're going to make. Look what he says in James chapter one and verse number eight. The Bible says that an indecisive man is unstable in all his ways. Let's read that verse together. It's short and it's sweet. Let's read it together. An indecisive man is unstable. Read it again and let it sink in this time. This is the heart of the message here. An indecisive man is... I want you to underline or circle either in your Bible or on your notes the term or the word indecisive. An indecisive man is unstable. Now in the Greek, the, for the word originally means, it means a two-souled man. It means an individual that's pulled in different directions. Or an individual that has different loyalties. Or an individual that has different priorities. That's what the word indecisive means. And it says that he is unstable in all of his ways. As I was unpacking the term indecisive, and as I was looking how I could share that, maybe that, that indecisive indecisiveness a little bit better i thought about the great theologian dr seuss listen to what dr seuss has to say when he's talking about the guy who could not make up his mind here's what he said he said did i ever tell you about the young zode who came to two signs in the fork of the road he looked one way and then the other way too the zode had to make up his mind what he would do Well, the Zod scratched his head and his chin and his pants. And he said to himself, I'll be taking a chance. If I go to place one, that place may be too hot. So how will I know if I lock it or not? On the other hand, though, I'll feel such a fool if I go to place two and find it's too cool. In that case, I may catch a chill and turn blue. So place one may be best and not place two. On the other hand, though, if place one is too hot... I might get a terrible earache and end up on a cot. On the other hand, though, if place two is too low, I might get some terrible pain in my toe. So place one may be best as he started to go. Then he stopped and he said, on the other hand, though, on the other hand, other hand, other hand, though, for 36 hours and one half that zode made starts and made stops at the fork in the road, saying, no, don't take a chance. It might not be right. Then he got an idea that was wonderfully bright. Play safe, cried the Zode. I'll play safe. I'm no dunce. I'll simply start off in both places at once. And that's how the Zode, who would not take a chance, went no place at all with a split in his pants. <laughs> the problem is, Being indecisive. You see, we've got to make a decision. We've got to make decisions in our life. Every single one of us. Indecisiveness is destructive. I mean, if we don't... Back up, Harold. You're getting ahead. Harold's saying, go on with the message. Go on with the message, okay? If we're not careful, we'll go through life and never make decisions. How many know some people like that? They're just so indecisive. It seems like they never are able to make up their mind. I mean, they come to a decision and it may be they're afraid to make a decision, afraid to go this way and that. Maybe we're like the Zod, but we've got to make a decision. But how do we make the right decision? And many of us get caught up in this indecisiveness. And let me tell you or share with you three ways that indecision makes you unstable. The Bible says that, that an indecisive man is unstable in all of his ways. Well, what are three three ways that being uns- or not being able to make decisions makes us unstable? Number one, indecision makes you unstable in your emotions. I mean, listen, it puts a strain on you when you cannot decide. I have found the hardest thing to do is to make the decision. Carrying out the decision is really not that difficult. It's whether I should do it or not that I really wrestle over and and fight over. But once I've made that decision, I'm able to go on with it. If we stay in that valley of indecision... It's going to put emotional strain on every one of us. We're going to be worried. We're going to be confused. We're going to not be able to sleep at night. We're going to have eating disorder. I mean, it just puts an emotional strain on us whenever we stay in this valley of indecision. The second thing I want you to jot down is this, that indecision makes you unstable in your relationships. I mean, let me tell you something, guys. Your wife is looking for you to make a decision whether you want to stay with her or not. Amen? Right? If you stay in that relationship being indecisive, it's going to cause a strain in your relationship. I'm trying to be humorous right there. Maybe that didn't go over too good. But we need to make a decision in our relationship. Think about on the job and on the career field for you that are going into the career field. I mean, if you go into a job and you're there on that job and and you're indecisive about whether you want to do that job or not, it's going to cause a strain in the relationship between an employee and the employer. So being in this valley of indecision certainly puts a strain in our relationships. And thirdly, indecision makes us unstable in our spiritual life. And here's really where I want to get to. In James chapter 1, verse 6 through verse number 7, it says, But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person, get this now, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Guys, you know what happens? Indecision blocks the answers to our prayers. The Bible says that this man that's indecisive is unstable in all of his ways. This double-minded man, the one that cannot nail down and make a decision, is unstable. And it says in verse number 7 that that person that's indecisive should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So it's going to have an effect on our spiritual life. So we see the problem. What is the problem? Indecision. But what is the prescription? How does James address the problem? Jot this down if you will please. He says, get wisdom. Get wisdom. That's the prescription. Look what he says in James chapter 1 and verse number 5. Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and it will be given to him. So what's the prescription? Get wisdom. Just simply get wisdom. Well, the question now is, how do we get wisdom? Well, James unpacks that for us and he gives us three practical steps on how we can get wisdom in order that we can make the right decision. Look what he says. Number one, we must admit that we need wisdom. I mean, just get to the place that you admit that you need wisdom. James says in verse number five, if any of you lacks wisdom. You see, James in the New Testament is like the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. I mean, they're both filled with wisdom. And what he's telling us what we need to do is simply get wisdom. Now, every single one of us lack wisdom. That's universal. The problem with the individual many times is that we will not humble ourselves enough to say that we don't have the answers to everything. You see, the one individual that really is never going to get any wisdom is the one that thinks that he knows it all. Therefore, he's never gonna think that he lacks wisdom. Therefore, he's never gonna ask God for wisdom. How many's ever seen that individual that you just can't tell anything to? You can't teach him anything, you can't tell him anything, they know everything about everything, every story that you bring up, they know bigger and better, and, and they're all educated on that. That individual is going to have a hard time getting wisdom. We've got to admit that we need wisdom. Now, wisdom is different from knowledge. You know what wisdom is? Wisdom is knowledge put into practice. Wisdom is seeing life from God's point of view. Wisdom is making decisions the way that God would make decisions. Wisdom means practical application of knowledge. Wisdom is the ability to make decisions the way that God would make decisions. I love Proverbs 11 and verse number two. And it says this, it said, when pride comes, disgrace follows, but with humility comes wisdom. Let me tell you what's going to block you from getting wisdom. Pride. The Bible says if any man lacks wisdom, then let him ask of God and he'll get it. We all must get to the point in our life where we realize that we do not have the answers for everything. That we need to call on God and ask for wisdom. So what's the key to getting wisdom? Simply is this. Just saying, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then you realize you lack wisdom. And now we're ready to go on to the second step, which is to ask for wisdom. So we need to admit that we need wisdom. Step number two is simply ask. We need to ask for wisdom. Well, who do we ask? Who do we ask for wisdom? In the book of James, verse number five, it says that we should ask God. We need to pray to God. We need to talk to God. How do we get wisdom? Who do we ask? Let me tell you something. You're not going to get wisdom from Oprah or Dr. Phil or any other talk show host out there. Hello? The Bible says that wisdom comes from God, not from some magazine, not from some TV show. We get wisdom by asking God. In Proverbs chapter 2 and verse number 6, it says this. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Wisdom comes from God. We've got to admit that we need it. Graduates, you've got to admit that you need it. And secondly, we must ask God. Let me ask you a question. What would you do if God came up to you one day and said, I'm going to give you one wish Anything in the world you'd like to have, I'll give it to you. One wish. Let me ask you, what would you ask for? What would you ask for? Well, there's a true story in the Bible. When God came up to this man and he said, you ask for anything you want. And I'll give it to you. Do you know who that man was? I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you have them with you, back over to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter number 3 and verse number 5. Here we have the story where God came up to this man named Solomon. And he said, Solomon, he said, I want you to ask for whatever it is that you want. And whatever you ask for, I'm going to grant you that wish. What would we ask for, if God came up to us and asked us us that question? I already know what many of you would ask for. You would ask for a million dollars or two million dollars, or you'd ask to get out of debt, or you'd ask for a home in the in the Bahamas. I mean, I don't know what we we ask for this material stuff. But God came up to this man and he said, "I'm going to give you whatever it is you ask for." Look what he said in First Kings chapter three and verse number five. It says, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. And God God said, ask, what should I give you? And Solomon replied, you have shown great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he walked with you in faithfulness and righteousness and integrity. You have continued this great and faithful love for him by giving him a son to sit on his throne as it is today. Lord, my God, in verse number seven You have now made your servant king in my father David's place. Yet I am just a youth, here it is, with no experience in leadership. What's the first thing we find Solomon doing? The very first thing we find him doing is saying, I don't know how to be a king. The very first thing we find him doing is is admitting, I don't know how to be a leader. The very first thing we find him saying is, God, I don't know how to do this. You know what that is? That's humility speaking. But many of us will never get to that point because pride stands in the way. We must admit that we don't have the answers. We must admit that we don't know how to do what it is that God has placed us into whatever role that we're in. And Solomon said, I don't know how to do this. He says in verse number eight, your servant is among your people. You have chosen a people, get this now, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Here's the wish that he asked for in verse number 9. So give your servant an obedient heart to judge your people and to discern between good and evil. You know what Solomon asked for? He asked for wisdom. And I want you to know that that thing the Bible says pleased the Lord. Look in verse number 10. Now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had requested this. So God said to him, because you have requested this and did not ask for long life or riches for yourself or the death of your enemies, but you asked discernment for yourself to understand justice, I would therefore do what you have asked. I would give you a wise and understanding heart so that there has never been anyone like you before and never would be again. Get this verse 13 in addition I will give you what you did not ask for. Both riches and honor in the latter part of verse number 14 says a long life. You know what Solomon did? Solomon realized that he needed wisdom. He admitted that he did not know how to fulfill the role that God had placed him into. That he needed wisdom. He did not ask for riches. He did not ask for the death of his enemies. He did not ask for honor and glory. He did not ask for a long life. He said, God, I just need wisdom to do what it is you've called me to do. And the, the Bible says the same pleased the Lord. He gave him the wisdom. And in addition to that, he gave him riches. He gave him honor. He gave him long life. I mean, God blessed him. By the way, Solomon is the man who wrote the book of Proverbs that we enjoy and that we glean from and that we strive to get wisdom from. The point is this, Solomon got to a place in his life where he realized he didn't have all the answers and he had to ask God for wisdom. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? I'll be honest with you, as your pastor, I do that every single day. As a matter of fact, where our church is in the transition period that we're in, I mean, there's not many pastors that turn around and sell their building with nowhere to go. But I know that's what God called us to do. I don't know what our next step is. I'll be the first one to tell you. I really don't know. I know we're going to be here next Sunday. I know that. Other than that, I don't know. What is that? That's admitting Then I need wisdom. God, I need your wisdom. And I'm asking you to give it to me. Matter of fact, I pray for wisdom hundreds of times a day. Almost, it seems like. I mean, every time the phone rings in the office and Donetta says, Pastor, the phone's for you, online, whatever. I whisper a little prayer in my heart and nobody hears me. I say, God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. When someone comes in for a counseling session, I mean, I'm really on the inside. I'm a nervous wreck. Because I realize they're coming to me looking for answers. And and i got to get into God's Word and be able to give some answers. And and I'll pray, God, I, I don't really know how to handle this situation. Give me wisdom today. But here's what I found. That after one of those counseling sessions... Or after that phone call, after I've whispered that prayer, God, I don't know what to do. I need your help today. It's amazing to see how God will just bring back to my memory a portion of Scripture or give me something to say that will help that individual. I'm amazed at how God freely gives His wisdom to those that ask for it. Amen? Step number two is to ask for it. Step number three is to anticipate it. We need to anticipate wisdom to come anticipate it to come it says in verse number six back in the book of james in chapter one but let him ask in faith without doubting you know what you need to do when you ask for wisdom you need to expect it to come you need to expect it to be there anticipate the answer get ready i mean get yourself ready to receive the answer from the lord i'm going to skip a little bit there i want to get to the third and the final thing here let's jump to the promise We see the problem is indecision. Secondly, the prescription is to get wisdom. Admit that we do not have it. Ask God for it. Anticipate it coming to you. And then we can get to the promise. What's the promise? The promise is God will give it. He will give you the wisdom that you need as you're facing the decisions in life that you've got to make every single day. In James 1, 5 and 6, the Bible says this. If any of you lacks wisdom... He should ask God. Let's read this next part. Who gives to all generously. Stop right there. Who gives to all generously. Will you circle that? Will you underline that? Will you get a hold of that? God gives His wisdom. That's the promise. He's pleased when He can share His wisdom with you. When Solomon asks for wisdom... The Bible says the same pleased the Lord. Do we want God to be pleased with us? No, just ask for his wisdom. Admit that we don't have it and ask for his wisdom. And it pleases God when we do that. He's eager to give you the wisdom that you need to make decisions. So let me ask you something. High school graduates, you're facing decisions. On what kind of career you're going to choose. What college you're going to. You've got decisions you've got to make. College grads, you're facing decisions. Whether continue with college or go into the career field or really zero in on that career that you're going to be a part of, what job you're going to take, we're all faced with these decisions. Our church is filled with young parents. Young parents, you're faced with decisions today about your children, how you're going to train them, how you're going to teach them, how you're going to raise them. We're all faced with decisions every single day of our life. It may be a career decision, or it may just be a marriage decision, or a church membership decision, or an investment decision. And James is saying this. If you need wisdom, ask for God. Ask for His help. And He'll give you the wisdom that you need. But let me close by talking just a moment about, I believe, would be life's greatest decision ever. And I just wonder, on this greatest decision in your life, have you ever come to the place where you've asked a question in your life, who's going to be number one in my life? That's the greatest decision you'll ever make. Who is going to be number one in my life? Is it your family? Is it your spouse? Is it your job? Is it you? Just let me say this, none of those are deserving of the number one spot in your life. The greatest decision that any of you will ever make is the decision to to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and put Him on the throne of your life and allow Him to be the number one person in your life above everything else. And I believe if we do that, then we've got the promise of Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33 he says, When you seek me first in my kingdom, he said, I'll add all these other things to you. Solomon's certainly an example of that. He sought after God and God blessed him. Have you done that? Who's on the throne of your heart? Who's number one in your life? What decision have you made for the Lord Jesus Christ? And Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is quickly becoming one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And this is where God speaking to his people, Israel, through the prophet Jeremiah. And he says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans for your welfare and and, and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Guys, God has a plan for every single one of you. High school graduates, God has a plan for you. He knows what it is. Do you know? If you don't, you need to admit that you don't. And you need to ask God for help and guidance. College grads. God knows exactly what he's got planned for you. And you know what he wants you to do? Seek after him. Because he has a plan for you. He has a future for you. For every single one of us that are in here, God has a plan for us. And you may be saying, what is that plan? Well, you need to ask him. Admit that you don't know. Throw up your hands. Say, God, I need you. And ask for his wisdom. And he said, I'll give it to you. I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed the smartest decision that you'll ever make in life is putting the Lord Jesus Christ in the number one spot in your life receiving Him as your personal Lord and Savior asking Him to come into your life is the greatest decision that you'll ever make I wonder what decision are you faced with right now What decision this week are you faced with? Maybe you haven't really shared it with anyone. God knows. And He's waiting. He's waiting for you to admit that you don't have the answers. He's waiting for you to ask Him for wisdom and direction. He says, if you'll do that, it'll please me and I'll bless you because I have a plan for your life have you called on the Lord today is he the Lord and Savior of your life if he isn't maybe you need to pray a prayer like this just right there where you're sitting will you open up your heart's door and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior today by saying dear God just whisper this prayer in your heart dear God I realize that I'm a sinner and I believe that you love me and you died for me and you were buried and you rose again and and right now I want to receive you as my Lord and as my Savior I give you my life and Father I just pray that you'd come into my life and be my Savior and forgive me maybe you're here and you've already done that but you've walked away from the Lord why don't you rededicate recommit your life to God today just pray a prayer, something like this. Say, God, I've stumbled, I've fallen, I've missed your mark. I've not been faithful to you. And, and Father, I just pray that you'd forgive me. Receive me back. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness and my sin. Restore right fellowship in my heart and my life with you once again. I put you on the throne of my life. Help me to make wise decisions. Maybe collectively as a church, we need to pray and ask for God's wisdom in our families, in our jobs, our careers, in our church life. Father, right now, we need you. As Victory Church is in a very pivotal point and as we're trying to relocate and get property and a building and God I'm the first one to say that I don't have the answers I'm looking, I'm waiting, I'm searching more importantly I'm just asking admitting that I don't know and asking for your leadership, your guidance, your wisdom Father I pray that you would give that to our church help us to collectively pull together to seek you not our own selfish, self-centered childish desires but to seek you Father give us wisdom God I pray for these graduates Lord I pray you'd give them wisdom I pray that they would seek you I ask you, God, to give them wisdom. And may our lives be centered in you. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray.